This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're digging our way into episode number 20. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, mamas and daddies. This is Kristen Burgess from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am here today with the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, episode number 20. I can't believe that it's been 20 episodes, and I want to start this 20th episode with a thank you, especially for your wonderful feedback. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And again, especially for your wonderful feedback. I'm getting quite a bit of feedback on iTunes right now, and I appreciate you taking just a minute or two to go over there and to leave your feedback and to leave a review. I really like hearing from you. And I also really appreciate the feedback that I get that you send me through the contact form on the website. And I also just did a survey uh, last week and the week before. I've been running a survey to those of you who have signed up for my Birth 101 mailing list. And a lot of you who have answered the survey questions mentioned that you listen to the podcast and that you really love it. And that has truly been a delight to me because I wasn't even expecting that. And it's awesome to hear about how many of you not only have listened to the podcast, but also decided to to head over to the site and explore what's there and even sign up for the newsletter list and just really get more information. That makes me happy because I put in so much work for all of that and it makes me especially happy for you and your babies and and for your daughters and your granddaughters and for your grandbabies because really getting information and knowledge about birth and parenting even and making conscious and aware choices today impacts the future tomorrow and I'm excited to see how even such a grassroots thing like a little podcast can be making ripples and so again thank you so much for helping me to be excited about this and for for standing up and making a difference in your world for letting me walk along with you in your world for just a little while and thank you especially for letting me know that what I do does make a difference for you and your family I really appreciate it I also want to thank you for bearing with me over the past couple of months. This has been the most challenging couple of months I've had in a long time. And I've had a lot of pregnancies, a lot of first trimesters, two major moves um, in in the last several years. And I don't think anything has challenged me quite as much as this summer. Just because I got really sick and then I hurt my back and... I mean, that was a really, really big deal. I couldn't do anything. And and we've had some unexpected overnight visitors in between all of that, getting sick and getting injured and everything. Luckily, none of that coincided. But it's just been a, a huge summer that's kind of humbled me um, and brought me back to my knees praying for grace, so to speak, because it, it, it didn't go at all like I planned. And... Um, And things really haven't gotten done like I planned, but things are still moving ahead and there's been some nice turns and things. And and I've been able to work and really grow more and more passionate about the birth work that I do. And 
for that, uh, I'm really thankful, and I'm thankful for you bearing with me. I know I even missed one podcast episode, and and one was just a recording of a class call, which wasn't the best recording quality. I know you guys are spoiled because you get the mic, um, but and I'm saying um a lot, and I'm sorry for that too. I just I really want to thank you for being listeners, for bearing with me through life as a mom and real life, and. For, for being here to explore and to listen and to learn and to grow and to learn along with me and to share in this passion of mine. Q&A. What we're going to do is I've been getting so many questions lately that I've decided to devote every other podcast episode to a Q&A. So every other podcast will be Q&A. Today's topics all happen to be on pregnancy and birth issues, but uh, if you have baby questions, that's fine too. Just send those to me. So they'll be devoted to Q&A questions, and I'll, I'll try and do four or five in each episode, what I think is going to fit into about a half an hour, because I try and keep the podcast about a half an hour for you. I'll, I'll try and fit that in. Four or five questions is what I think will probably fit in, and I'll just dig into that, discuss that if I need to before the podcast. I'll do the research that I need to do to give you a good answer, and that, that really gives me a chance to, to dig into it. I love researching. I like researching for my students and my birthing classes, and I like researching for you. So that's what I'll do. And then the episodes that aren't q and I'll continue to bring you good information and content about uh, about birth, about parenting choices, and that sort of thing, and interviews here and there when I'm able to get them lined up. Today's questions are about pregnancy, and we're going to, this first one is actually, it's kind of about pregnancy and parenting, because it's one that I've seen several times lately, and I've gotten asked several times lately. Uh, it's about pregnancy nursing, and let me say that I... <laughs> I feel a little unqualified to answer this question. I guess I actually kind of feel like a fraud when I answer this question. That's because I've got friends and my friends from my Leche League group and and friends that I've uh, that I talk with that breastfeed and and many of them have managed to nurse successfully through a pregnancy and go on to tandem nurse. So I feel like they would be infinitely more qualified than me to answer this question because the reality is is I've nursed completely through one pregnancy and my nursling decided he didn't want anything to do with my milk once my milk came in so I have never actually tandem nursed and all of my other pregnancies except my first one obviously where I didn't have a nursing child but all of my other pregnancies I've had a nursing baby when the pregnancy started or a nursing toddler and they've weaned by the by the end of the pregnancy or usually about halfway through in the second trimester early to mid second trimester. So I don't feel like I'm really good at pregnancy nursing or tandem nursing, but my experiences are similar to those of other moms, and I can share some information with you and strategies. So pregnancy nursing, the first thing many moms want to know is, is it safe for me to nurse during pregnancy? And I think the big question that hides behind that is, will this cause a miscarriage? The answer is, in general, no. Nursing during pregnancy does not cause a miscarriage, and usually if a miscarriage occurs while an older baby or toddler is nursing, the miscarriage would have happened regardless of you nursing or not. There are a lot of feelings and emotions that 
need to be considered when you're nursing your uh, toddler and especially when you choose to nurse during a new pregnancy and that can be greatly complicated by the thought of is there a miscarriage was there a miscarriage some moms feel like if there's a miscarriage that it's my fault because I didn't wean some moms say that they're actually comforted that they still have a nursling that they still have somebody to wrap their arms around and cuddle with and nurse and it actually provides a comfort and a healing for them The emotions that are involved with that can be complex. The general medical consensus is that it is safe. There are a couple of exceptions. One is if you're expecting multiples, it's usually desirable to go ahead and wean your older baby or your toddler. And if you are prone to miscarriage, if you have an irritable uterus, um, if you've had to have a stitch put in your cervix, a cerclage, in a previous pregnancy, usually it's advised that you wean. If you're not sure, you can talk to your OB or your midwife about it. Uh, some doctors and even some midwives are really not knowledgeable about breastfeeding during pregnancy, and so some of them will just tell you, you should wean. Uh, but it's always worth discussing it with them to get that opinion. What about your milk supply? There are some moms who do not notice any difference in milk supply during pregnancy. I have a friend, and she's one of those lucky moms. Most women will notice that their supply drops during pregnancy, and many will find that their milk even seems to dry up. This has always been the case for me. Some nurslings don't like this, and they'll wean when there's no milk. Some kids just keep right on nursing. They don't care that there's no milk. They just want to nurse. Many moms who find that their milk supply drops notice that nursing becomes more comfortable once their body begins producing colostrum, which is generally around the third trimester, so around 28 weeks or so. You'll probably notice uh, that your breasts are producing colostrum, and if nursing is uncomfortable, it can get more comfortable then. If you want to try and increase your supply, it's important to make sure that you're eating well and that you're well hydrated. Most strategies for boosting milk supply are okay to do during pregnancy. That's drinking plenty of water, making sure that you're eating plenty, nursing frequently, taking your nursling to bed with you and nursing, uh, laying down for a nap with your nursling. Those things can all help boost your supply. However, most herbs that are used, such as fenugreek, to boost milk supply are not safe during pregnancy. So if you're taking um, a supplement to boost your milk supply, such as um, Gaia Herbs Lactate Support, or if you're drinking a mommy milk tea or a booby tea is what some moms call it, Those are not safe during pregnancy, so you'll want to discontinue the use of those supplements. Things like oatmeal, uh, flaxseed, those are safe during pregnancy, and they don't seem to have as, uh, as potent an effect. Quinoa is another one, but they are still reported to help boost milk supply. So you can eat more quinoa, have oatmeal for breakfast every morning, and those things can help boost your milk supply. Um... I think it's worth it to try all of these things. I also think it's important that you don't get crushed if you can't do anything to build your milk supply. So keep it in perspective. Nourishing both babies is very important. So when you are pregnant and you are nursing, think about it. You are nourishing 
your new baby. That means you're building a new baby, you're building a new placenta, you're building a blood supply. You're nourishing your older baby. Even if they're eating solid foods, you're still creating milk for that baby. So you're nourishing a brand new baby from scratch. You're nourishing an older baby, at least partially. And on top of that, you need to nourish your body, which means maintaining your body plus growing your uterus, expanding your blood volume by two times, your blood volume doubles during pregnancy, and making sure that your body systems are up to doing everything they need to do for your new baby. Your lungs need to take in more air and more oxygen. Your kidneys need to process more. Everything works harder. So that's that's a lot of nutritional stress. Pregnancy always presents nutritional stress. I never lie to moms about that because I want you to take your pregnancy diet seriously. But when you are nursing a baby or babies... Some moms are nursing more than one nursling when they get pregnant again. You want to consider that each one of those additional children that you're nursing is kind of like thinking about multiples. So I would recommend that you follow a multiples pregnancy diet for the entire duration of your pregnancy if you're going to be nursing throughout your pregnancy to make sure that you are making enough are getting enough nutrients to grow your baby and to support your body, to support milk production, and to support whatever nutrients your nursling may need at whatever stage of development he or she is at. So make sure that you're eating really well so that you're nourishing both of your little ones. And that really is is the big thing that's going to make pregnancy nursing or a tandem nursing quote-unquote safe. Your feelings and emotions and the sensations while nursing during pregnancy can get really confusing. And this, even more than milk supply, I think is what's hardest for moms nursing during pregnancy. I also think this is really hard for dads. And I'll explain why. Our body, it's you've been nurturing and nursing this little one. And then... It's almost some sort of, I guess it's instinct. Most moms feel like it's it must be instinctive. But you have this child who is cherished, who is the light of your life, who is your precious baby that you've nursed from the moment he or she came out of the womb. And then you get pregnant again and suddenly nursing that child is like fingers on a chalkboard. You can't stand it. You want to... Get the get the child off of me. You want to, you know, get them as far away as, as possible. Or sometimes the urge can feel, it feels icky. It makes you feel nauseated to nurse. It can feel like, I want to get this child off of me to the extent that I want to throw the kid across the room. And no, it's not pleasant to think about this, but these are the kind of emotions that moms really describe. And I think it's just this base instinctive reaction of the body that's saying, hey, there's a new little person coming. I need all resources to go to this person. And it's just, it's, it's a survival mechanism, if nothing else. It doesn't mean anything less of you. Many, 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 many moms have experienced this same thing. I think it's really stressful for dads, too, because you as the dad see this woman that you love and the child that you love, but but 
but mom is, you know, she's the woman that you married or she's your devoted partner. And you see her really struggling emotionally. And a lot of times dads see that she's really struggling. She's having a hard time with this. And weaning the baby will be the solution because weaning will take away her pain. And you feel conflicted dad because you want her to wean and because you want to stop her pain you want to stop these feelings you want to stop this emotional stress it's incredibly stressful that she's going through and mom you often feel like i love this child i want to keep nursing i committed to nursing for x number of months or for x period of time and i want to keep nursing and this is so hard for me and why do people keep bringing up weaning and why does he he look like he wants to wean and or he when i say he i mean dad why does dad look like he thinks that weaning's the answer and sometimes it's a it's a you know i really feel like maybe i should wean and He seems to be hinting that maybe weaning is the right choice, but I feel like I'd be betraying my child if I did that. And it can just get to be a really, it's really emotional, and it's hard to sort out. And everybody in the situation can feel like they're not understood. And everybody in the situation can feel like a different solution would work, or everybody in the situation can throw up their hands and feel like there is no solution. My suggestion is that you really examine the age of your nursling and examine what your feelings are. Examine, is it physically painful? Often the nipples become very sensitive early in pregnancy and nursing can actually be physically painful. Usually, let me add in this aside or sidebar so to speak, usually that goes away right away. As soon as your new baby is born, that soreness dissipates. I have had a couple of babies where the soreness persisted until my milk came in. So that's also normal. But generally, the soreness will go away. And soreness that continues to last after your milk comes in is usually due to bad latch and other problems. And that's the time to call your La Leche League leader uh, or your lactation consultant. But don't get distressed if you feel like nursing, you suddenly become sore. That's normal for pregnancy, and it won't won't persist once your baby's born. So you can let, let go of that worry at least. So, but there could be soreness, and there's that instinctual, ooh, it feels creepy, or ooh, I want to throw the kid across the room kind of feeling. And there's there's all kinds of emotions tied up in that, that you feel like I'd be betraying my child, or I would be a failure because I didn't meet my goal. And I certainly understand that. I've had children who ended up weaning at all different ages. My earliest was 14 months. I've had a 14-month, uh, 18-month, 24-month, 25-month, and uh, and then my longest was a 32-month he nursed. So I've had a wide variety of ages there, and, and all of them except, uh, well, all of them weaned due to, due to a pregnancy. <laughs> so the only one who hasn't yet is my core one who's six months and still nursing strong. But um, but so I understand those those conflicting emotions and one my my Asher nursed all the way through a pregnancy, but I understand those conflicting emotions. But I I recommend that you sit down, you really think about it, decide what's important to you, what's really important, and decide what you can handle. Some suggestions are nursing only or or limiting the number of nursings. So you could nurse say we'll only nurse after a meal, 
or will only nurse once the sun is up. Night weaning is often a good thing to do because usually by the time you get pregnant again, your nursling is older and night weaning isn't such a big deal. So night weaning is an option. Uh, then, so you could say we only nurse when the sun is up or we only nurse before bed and setting those boundaries can be helpful. Another thing that this really helped me in my pregnancy while I was pregnant with Corwin and I was still nursing Honor and I had a friend share this with me and she said take a don't offer, don't refuse policy where you never offer to nurse. So in a situation where you may have offered before such if your chi- such as if your child is cranky or has gotten hurt or some some other time that you would normally immediately nurse your child or if you just want your child to sit still for a minute while you read something on the computer and you normally would have nursed, you don't nurse at those times. But if your child asks to nurse, then you go ahead and nurse. So nursing at specific times, such as nap time and bedtime, or only during the day. A don't offer, don't refuse policy. Another thing that has really helped me a lot is a set duration of nursing for a song. So you pick a song. It could be the same song. It could be a different song. I always use the same song, the ABC song. You sing that song, and your toddler knows that when that song is done, so is nursing. And if you're having a really hard time, you can sing really fast. And if you're feeling really good and enjoying the moment, you can sing slower. And that works really well. Distraction can work well for, some, for, for moms too, for some kids. So offering um, a cup of milk or a cup of water uh, or a smoothie or a snack rather than nursing. Or saying let's sit down and read a story instead of nursing. Because sometimes children ask to nurse just because they're bored. And a distraction can really help. And especially if you're wanting to cut down on daytime nursings at what would have normally been a snack time, establishing a snack can help. This can also be good for you because you can sit down and have a snack at that time, which is important to your healthy pregnancy. There are a lot of strategies that you can try. A really good book to read is Adventures in Tandem Nursing is a good book. And another one is... Mothering Your Nursing Toddler, I think is what that one's called. I'll put links to both of these books in the show notes. But they both have a a lot of good information on older nurslings and on juggling nursing during pregnancy. And Adventures in Tandem Nursing also covers a lot on tandem nursing. So those are two really good books. And finally, if things are too hard, you can consider weaning. And if you do, wean without guilt. I held a lot of guilt for a long time, especially with my first nursling, Cassidy, because I weaned her when she was only 14 months old, and I felt like I had really shortchanged her. But at this point, I've come to realize that we have a good relationship, we have a loving relationship, she's thriving, and the blessing that I gave her by giving her her brother, Asher, whether she realizes it or not... Uh, is a wonderful gift too, and that relationship is wonderful and sustaining. So realize that giving your child the gift of a sibling is a wonderful gift too, just like the gift of breastfeeding. Uh, So you do what feels right for your family, and things may change. You may be able to get through the first trimester, the second trimester, and then realize things need to change. Or you may realize right off that I need to wean. Or you may realize, hey, I can do this. And then you get to the third trimester and things get a lot easier. Whatever the situation is for your family, you do what you need to do. Um, 
for your family. Okay, the next question that I got was, uh, I'm expecting twins, and my doctor is pretty set on a C-section, and I don't even know where to start with planning twins or planning a birth for twins, but I know that I don't want a C-section if I don't have to have one. My first piece of advice, if you're expecting twins, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you can probably guess what it is, but it's take good care of yourself. Eat really well. I talked a moment ago when we were talking about the question that I got multiple times about nursing and pregnancy. Um, I, I talked about how eat as if you were expecting multiples. Well, if you really are expecting multiples, certainly eat as if you're expecting multiples. I recommend to any mom who takes my class who is expecting multiples that she follow Dr. Barbara Luke's uh, pregnancy or multiple pregnancy diet guidelines. Dr. Barbara Luke has worked with the Multiples Consortium, which is a consortium of many, many universities who are bringing together their data on multiples. And, uh, and she worked specifically in a multiples clinic in Michigan. She still does lots of consulting and lots of work with moms of multiples. And her statistics speak for themselves. I mean, the babies from her clinics are bigger and the moms carry them longer and they're more likely to have uh, a healthy birth than moms who don't follow the multiples diet protocol. So if you find out you're pregnant with multiples, definitely, 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 the first thing you need to do is pay attention to your own physical well-being. Make sure that you feel like you can relax. Make sure that you're eating well. Pick up Dr. Barbara Luke's book. It's uh, When You're Expecting Twins, Triplets, or Quads. I'll link to it in the show notes. It is a great book for anybody with multiples. It costs, I think, 12 or $13 on Amazon. It is definitely an investment in your baby's well-being. And taking the time to really eat that way. I recommend to the moms in my classes that if they have twins, they track pregnancy every day. Or they track their pregnancy diet every day. They just make sure that they print out a checklist every week and check it off. And the mamas in my class, I actually provide a checklist. Um, and if you're if you're pregnant with multiples and decide you want to get Dr. Barbara Luke's book and you want the checklist, just email me and I'll be happy to send it to you. Uh, because I feel like it's that important that you eat well. I want you to eat well because that is what will grow babies. She's got these pictures in her book of little footprints and little heads and, and how big they are throughout each week of pregnancy. And if you look at the little micro preemies at 25 weeks and then the preemies at 28 weeks, and then you look at the big 36-weeker heads, I mean, and 36-weekers are still slightly early, but the difference between those little footprints and those little head circumferences is just amazing. And I want you and your babies to be healthy. And also, it's not just your babies. I want you to realize this, and this goes for you mamas who are carrying singletons too, and I want you daddies to listen because I want you to make sure she's eating right. But you're not just nourishing your babies. You're also nourishing your body, your uterus. Your blood supply will expand dramatically. It doubles for a singleton and even more for multiples. Those those physiological changes in your body are essential to sustaining pregnancy. That means that those things need to happen so that you carry your babies for as long as possible. And I know that we all joke about, oh my gosh, I'm so huge and pregnant. I'm so tired of being pregnant. I am one of them. I've done it all six times I've been pregnant. But 
And I can't even imagine you mamas who are having twins. By the time you get to 34 to 36 weeks, you really feel huge because you are packing a lot of baby in there. But the reality is that you want your babies to be in there as long as possible and you want them to be safe and you want them to be growing well. And so your nutrition not only sustains them, it sustains your tissues. It keeps your uterus strong. It keeps your muscles flexible and strong. It keeps your pelvic floor strong and healthy. It keeps your blood supply expanded so that when your babies are born, your uterus does the work of birth and your body can heal up Close everything off. There's no excess bleeding, no nothing. Prenatal nutrition is important from the start all the way till the end and even beyond. Good nutrition helps you make a good milk supply. It helps you deal with the emotional ups and downs of the postpartum time. Really, it's just, it's very important. Very important. Uh, Also, knowing your twin type is important because that's a big indicator uh, twin type really helps you know if an, a natural birth is going to be possible or not, really. Not only that, knowing your twin's position, but knowing twin types and knowing if they're sharing the same amniotic sac, are they completely together, are the amnion and chorion separated or not, separate placentas, knowing that can give you good information and can help you and your midwife and your doctor, your entire medical team, make a good decision about the kind of birth that's right for you. How do you prepare? You prepare for a natural birth the same way as a mom of a singleton would. You just pay attention to issues like I just talked about, like an excellent twin diet, uh, knowing what your baby's position is, and if possible, knowing the twin type. So that additional knowledge is important when you prepare, but it's important for you to prepare by learning birth skills, by understanding your birthing body, by understanding how birth works physiologically, by understanding what opens you up. And when I say that, I mean what helps your pelvis feel the most open so that your babies can make a smooth descent. And doing all of your consumer knowledge, like picking a good doctor, consulting with a maternal fetal medicine specialist, and that sort of thing. Looking for a doctor that you can really trust. And uh, if you want to work with a midwife, working with a midwife, and then probably also having a maternal fetal medicine specialist or a perinatologist, that's two terms for the same kind of specialist, work on your team and help you. And many perinatologists or maternal fetal medicine specialists, um, they'll give you the extra level of care that you want and the extra level of reassurance that you want. But many of them also want to see you get your vaginal birth if that's what you desire. So that can be a really win-win situation. And I recommend that you do what you need to do to feel like you have knowledge and feel like you're prepared. So take a natural birthing course and prepare your body for a natural birth. That Growing that awareness will only help you. And understanding your body, understanding what's going on with you and your babies will help you feel empowered No matter what choices you ultimately make for the birth, you will feel confident that they were your choices and that they were made with full knowledge, not coercion. And that's important. I've also just put up a twin page on Natural Birth and Baby Care. Um, It's naturalbirthandbabycare.com slash twins.html. But uh, I'll I'll also make it so it's easy for you to get to. You can go to birthbabylife.com slash twins. And I'll put it in the show notes too. But birthbabylife.com slash twins. And and you can take a look at the... I put up two really awesome twin birth videos on there. So you can take a look at those. 
Okay, and I'm already running over time here for you guys. But this next question, this is another one that I got, and I'm not going to read an exact question because I got multiple variations of this question. I suppose I shouldn't be surprised about it, but but um, but I do feel a little bit surprised that it seems to be so prevalent. But a lot of the moms who answered my survey especially said that uh, I feel like I can't relax. How do I relax? And... I think this is really important, and I guess when I reflect on my own experiences, I can see how it's important. And I just I just read an article, I think it was in issue 3 of Birth and Babies magazine, and I'll link to Birth and Babies in the show notes too. Um, but Birth and Babies magazine, and there was a great article about oxytocin during pregnancy, and you may have heard about oxytocin in relationship to birth and how it's what helps Uh, helps you give birth and it's the mothering hormone and it causes you and your baby to bond and it's the love hormone and the feel-good hormone and we talk about it a lot in relationship to birth but I love this article because it explored oxytocin during pregnancy and the mom talked about how she had a really stressful pregnancy lots of stressful life situations going on but anytime she started to feel really upset or stressed, she would put her hands on her belly and just take three minutes to breathe, practice her birth breathing, and just talk to her baby and kind of take those minutes to calm down. And she said that really helped. It was really powerful for helping her calm down. And then her baby came out and was was like the calmest, sweetest, most laid-back baby she'd had, even though she had this extremely stressful life situations going on during pregnancy. And there was a lot of power in that. I think there's a lot of validity in that, that if you take the time, just like you intentionally prepare for birth, by understanding what makes you open, by taking birthing classes, by reading great birth stories, if you intentionally help yourself calm down, say a prayer, talk to your baby, think about your baby, just take a a couple minutes to meditate, however you want to say it or whatever you want to do. There is power in that that will help you relax. Another thing is just let go. Sometimes there's things that we can't control, and it's important to realize that it is okay to let go of those things. So I would urge you to let go. I also urge you to simplify wherever you can. Uh, it's kind of funny because my husband said that he had listened to a couple of podcasts. He loves listening to podcasts. And they were talking about learning to say no. And then there's a, a business fella, consultant kind of guy that I, I get his emails and my newsletter. And he does little videos. And one of his recent videos was about how consider training yourself into the habit that the very first thing you say whenever anybody asks you for something is or to do something rather is no and maybe it sounds a little bit callous I think he put it that way bluntly because he wants to make a statement but I was thinking about it and thinking you know that really is very valid so when somebody asks you to do something, consider saying no or consider not putting so much on your plate and realize that when I say this, I'm being a total hypocrite because I always have too much on my plate at once. I'm always juggling too many things. I always have too many things to do and should probably have said no or dropped some projects a long time ago. Uh, so I chronically don't take my own advice, but 
But I will give you that advice, and I will encourage you to simplify. Say no when you can. Let some things go. Simplify housework. I give lots of tips for this in my mama baby birthing class. Some of the tips that I give are closing off rooms that you don't need, keeping you and your young toddlers corralled to one area during the day so that things don't get messed up in the rest of the house, doing easy meals, that sort of thing. Just make sure that you're simplifying where you can and again going back to what I talked about at the beginning with the oxytocin booster during pregnancy is just taking that time to calm down take three minutes focus on your baby connect with your baby say a prayer for your baby or meditate visualize your perfect birth for a couple of minutes that sort of thing gets oxytocin flowing which helps you relax and that's important important to do Okay, my final question I got was from a mama who has been dealing with some killer heartburn during pregnancy, which I know is something that so many of you can uh, can relate with. Uh, She says, my current biggest frustration is the all-day coughing I do every time I eat or lay down is a specific result of all this excess stomach acid. I refuse to take conventional medicine pills, and so I'm just relying on papaya extract and occasional peppermint toms. So she's already hit on one thing that you can do for pregnancy heartburn, which is papaya enzymes. And many midwives and pregnant women swear by them that they work really well. And I'll go over a few other strategies for you real quick. I know that we're already over time here. But eating some plain foods like popcorn can help. They soak up excess stomach acid. Um, Sips of milk or cream really help some moms. And also yogurt with live active cultures. Some moms find that dairy products make heartburn worse, but for a lot of moms it works, so it's worth trying. Almonds are also a good remedy. Peppermint herbal tea, surprisingly, can help, and it can also help if you have gas. A chewable calcium that contains magnesium may help. Uh, If you're going to use this often, make sure you discuss it with your doctor or midwife. Chamomile tea helps a lot, and then marshmallow root, so an infusion of marshmallow root, it gets really thick and gummy, and therefore it helps with the, it helps with heartburn, and that one's pretty effective. Other things to do uh, are to pay attention to your diet. Pay attention, first of all, make sure you're eating well, of course, but, but notice when the heartburn seems worse. So I've noticed that mama's will get heartburn if a meal is really sugary or has a lot of juices or lots of other carbs. And then other moms notice heartburn if their meal is really heavy in fats. So just pay attention to when you're noticing a lot of the heartburn and see if you can moderate those meals some if that's showing up for you. Um, Reducing grains can really help eliminate heartburn and switching to grains that are easier to digest like rice and quinoa rather than harder to digest grains like bread that can really help if you're eating oatmeal soaking your oatmeal may help sometimes moms find relief by separating their proteins and carbohydrates out into different meals i also find that moms uh get help from pregnancy-related nausea, like morning sickness, when they eat proteins and carbohydrate together. So that one might become a lesser of two evils, if that's the thing for you, if you're still in a period where you're getting lots of nausea. 
And usually I recommend having protein with any snack or meal just because you need a lot of protein during pregnancy. But if it's really bad, that is one thing to remember. Flax seeds and chia seeds are also supposed to help with heartburn, so you could sprinkle those on your oatmeal or uh, put them together or, you know, blend them up in your smoothie. Those can help. And then trying a good strong probiotic. I mentioned the yogurt with live cultures, but a good strong probiotic can help. And, And taking walks every day, just getting that moderate exercise may help to get you up and about and really get that digestive function moving and keeping things, getting the stomach emptying, that may help some. So that's that's a handful of suggestions. Usually there's not one foolproof suggestion that works every time. So that's a handful of suggestions for you to give a go. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the Q&A session for today and wrap up the podcast I hope that this has been helpful to you. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating on iTunes. It just takes a couple seconds. Hop over to iTunes and leave a rating, or if you've got a few minutes, go ahead and leave a review. Remember, if you would like to hear your question answered on the podcast, you can either submit uh, submit your question to me in, a, in the contact form. Just go to birthbabylife.com. That'll take you to the homepage of the website, and there's a contact button that you can click, and you can just email me your question. It comes right to my inbox. And if you're interested in getting my birthing class series and the Beginner's Guide to Natural Childbirth and the Trust Birth 101 MP3 bundle, you can get that for free by going to trustbirth101.com. That's trustbirth101.com. Put your information in on that page and you'll get your freebies. And on the second or third day of the email series, you'll get my little survey that I have going on right now. And you can just submit your question there. And if you'd like me to answer it live on the podcast, just go ahead and make a note in there, Kristen, please answer this one on the podcast. And I'll probably also give you a personal reply. But that'll get you going. So again, this has been Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. And we are finishing up episode number 20 of the Birth Baby in Life podcast. I can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.